Welcome to the Extraordinary Life Podcast from the creator of the Extraordinary Life Tribe, Crystal Obergon. The self-development podcast propelling you forward toward your goals using science-backed high-performance habits. Reach the next level in your physical and mental health. See new heights in your relationships. Gain clarity on your purpose and live your extraordinary life. Welcome your host, writer, speaker, and coach, Crystal Obergon. Hi there, this is Crystal from Crystal Obergon Coaching with episode number 39 of the Extraordinary Life Podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking with Deborah Costella. I met Deborah a few years ago here in Santa Cruz. Since then, she's moved to Ashland, Oregon to be closer to family. I know Deborah as a chef. I finally had the opportunity to attend one of her online cooking classes, and it was so fun. I don't usually go to cooking classes because I'm a pretty good cook and worked in restaurant kitchens through college and after, but now I sign up whenever I can. It's fun to cook with others in the privacy of my own kitchen, and I learn a ton. Deborah became a chef later in life, and I thought her story would interest and inspire you. So let's get started. Deborah, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and your journey, because I know that you have not always been a chef. Right. Originally, I think maybe I'm on my third phase of life because originally I was dancer ballet dancer as a ballerina in San Francisco Bay Area, little jazz and tap as well. I danced in San Diego, California for a few years and uh, then later got married and had four children, two girls and two boys. And during that time, it was a little more difficult to dance. I probably fell into teaching around my third pregnancy. And so I was teaching and not performing by then and continued to do that. And then later, I was a stay-at-home mom and decided that dancing and teaching, I loved it, but I was outgrowing it a little bit, and I wanted to spend more time with my children. So I went to night school and got myself certified in early childhood education because I'd always taught dance classes to both adults and children and teens, and I really, really loved it. I loved teaching. It was so fun. So I thought, okay, I'll just um, be a preschool teacher, but I didn't want to just do daycare. I really wanted to do education. So I got myself certified in early childhood education, and I did that for several years. So my children, I ran it out of my home, and then later I was hired by a large corporation, and then I could bring my children to school work with me. But that got a little bit challenging. I was running nine schools in the state of Nevada. If I thought, gosh, Crystal, if if I woke up in the morning and thought of how many children and parents I was responsible for, I never wanted to leave the door. You know, I I didn't want to walk out the door. It's a huge responsibility. And also it became really challenging for me to balance the creativity of working with children and creating curriculum and being an administrator where the priority is really profit and loss statements and that part. I wasn't loving it. But one of the things that I had done when I was teaching, not just administrating, I incorporated cooking projects into my classrooms because I felt like cooking was a great way to address all types of learners. And children, there's some visual 
tactile. Some kids don't want to touch anything, but they were drawn in by the smell. But of course, they wanted to eat the cookies or whatever we made, the, the mac and cheese and such. So that um, ended up evolving into just teaching cooking classes to children. So I ran a business in Las Vegas, Nevada called Kids, Cookies, and Caviar because I wanted to convey to people that the children would not just be making pizza on an English muffin or a mac and cheese with sliced up hot dogs in it. I wanted to convey the fact that these children that participated in my classes were going to get a more sophisticated experience with food. And they did. So I did that for several years in Vegas. And then later, the parents started asking me, well, do you teach adult classes? And I said, um, yeah, I do. And then later, <laughs> I was getting asked, well, do you do meal preps for people? Do you do catering and personal chef work? And so I went, not yet, but I will. So then I went back to school again and got myself certified in the culinary arts in Vegas. And I finally ended up just easing myself out of working with children, although I still do that. I love it. My primary focus is adults, uh, businesses, team building, and so on and so forth. So clearly, I left Vegas, but had to change the name from Kids, Cookies, and Caviar. And actually, I did this in Vegas. I changed the name, rebranded myself to Cosmic Muffin. And, and that's, that's where I am today. So now at this point... I'm working mostly with adults. I do some personal chef work on, on occasion, but really my focus is culinary education. So it just kind of snowballed one thing. So I'm still always a teacher, just as I was when I was dancing. But now I use food. I always like to refer to it as very similar, the, the two arts, because now instead of choreographing movement on a stage, I choreograph ingredients into dishes and into complete meals. So it's the same thing for me. So tell me, how long ago was it that you moved from Santa Cruz to Ashland? I know it was during the pandemic, right? I know. We were just talking about that because my son and I, um, actually, there was no family up here. I just came up here and brought my son and daughter-in-law and my grandson with me. Okay. So I was in Vegas maybe 23, 24 years. My intention in Santa Cruz was to open my cooking school there in Santa Cruz. And so I started teaching classes a little bit at, at uh, is it New Life? Now I forgot the name. New Leaf. New Leaf. Right. So that first year, I think I moved there in 2019, started making friends, joining networking groups, and getting the, myself out there, got myself licensed as Cosmic Muffin School of Cookery in Santa Cruz, California, and then got some wonderful clients, some like Match.com and things of, of that nature, so I could do group classes. January of 2020 was looking good. February of 2020 was looking good. And then, bam! And then, yes, the, the pandemic hit. So that caused a big pause and I had to pivot and I'm really sick of that word, but I, we all did. I mean, I had to do some serious thinking because of my family, my son and daughter-in-law and grandson, and just the way things came together, it didn't make sense to stay in Santa Cruz for what I wanted to do. And so I've been into Ashland many times in the past uh, to come here to see Shakespeare plays, you know, Shakespeare festivals up here. 
It's beautiful, just like Santa Cruz, lots of trees, no beach, but there are rivers and lakes, you know, there is water up here. So, um, and also, to be honest with you, it's just, it's kind of the way Santa Cruz and Palo Alto used to be back in the 60s and 70s, still, still very charming, very quaint, very small. I thought this is a great place to semi-retire, because opening a cooking school is certainly not retiring. And so I came up here with the kids and looked around and I went, okay, I have said many times when I had visited here in my head, not out loud, gosh, I could live here. Gosh, I could live here. I could live here. So apparently I was planting a seed and wasn't aware of it, but that's so the universe heard me. And so here I am. So I'm just weeks away from finally opening Cosmic Muffin School of Cookery in downtown Ashland. Tell me a little bit about that, because I know that that also has not been without its obstacles. I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, one thing about living, because I was in Santa Cruz for two years, right, 2019, 2020. And what I loved about being there is every other day I could walk West Cliff when I was feeling frustrated, sad, confused, whatever, or even, happy, you know, for any, any mood. And I kind of needed walks along the beach during this process here, because I found a spot downtown in June or July of 2021. So I found a spot and started paying rent, you know, signed my lease and so on and so forth and had my idea. And then I got to learn how to deal with city uh, politics, building departments and planning departments, contractors, because a lot of the people up here just the way California dealt with a lot of fires in 2020 and 2021, so did this area up here. And many of our contractors are still engaged in helping people re- rebuild their homes. Right. So it was really hard to find a contractor. A couple of them I probably scared off because this was an unusual project because it's not food service. It's an educational facility. So I'm not producing several plates a day for people. It's maybe it's less than 20 plates a day because I don't even have that many students at one time. The challenges were not so much COVID related. It was really just navigating my way through opening a new business that I didn't fit into any of their categories. And that's what the city finally came to the realization and actually said that to me. Gosh, Deborah. You don't fit into any of the categories. And I went, I know, that's the, that's the beauty of this, right? So they worked with me. They were really, really kind and patient. And because I couldn't find a contractor, I can now add to my dancer hat, teacher hat, chef hat, um, general contractor hat, because right. I'm the general contractor <laughs> on the project. Although if any of my electricians, carpenters, Plumbers hear me say that they're going to roll their eyeballs because they've had to hold my hand all along the way and teach me. I'm sure you've been wonderful to work with. (laughs) Well, there have been a couple of, um, you know, teary days where I'm standing there crying in front of people, but that's okay. Yes. So what's your favorite thing about being a chef? I know we talked a little bit in the past about how you grew up with food and... It is kind of interesting because remember, as, as, a, as a dancer back then, it's different now. The, the uh, dancers nowadays are, I think, I, generally speaking, healthier. They have a healthier approach to the way they approach their craft, I guess, the way they engage in. But back then, uh, when I was dancing, it was really important to be very, very small. So I didn't eat, let alone cook, really, truly. Lived on 
lettuce and mustard sandwiches because mayonnaise is too fattening. Diet Dr. Pepper and those Hostess Susie Q's. Remember those things? Yeah, that's what I would eat. That was pretty much it. What drew me to this really is the art of it. And it's also a wonderful way to, to express not only my passion for the art, to be creative myself, but to teach other people that food is more than just nourishing the body. It really is a complete experience. Because when you think about what you're doing over a meal, there's so many, it's either gathering together for a celebration, it's gathering together for me, perhaps for a sad occasion, and the food is what brings us together. When I'm teaching, the food allows me to work with both children and adults. I can teach math through measuring, right? Science, because the kids, there's so much science that happens in the kitchen. The art of putting together a, a meal and a plate because we eat with our eyes first. We all do, right? You open a menu and go, ooh, that looks good, right? It sounds really good. And especially if there's a picture in magazines, right? That's why we pick recipes. That looks good. I want to make that. So there's the art of it. I also am able to teach uh, social studies, culture, and geography. Foods from around the world. Well, what part of Italy? It, just because it's, it's not just Italian food. There are different regions. So that is what I love. And then also, I have, I've developed a passion for food history. I love food history, telling people why this dish came to be what it is today, who originated it. So many dishes have a story behind them. And I, I love that. I love teaching that part. But also, I think the key for me, what sets me apart is my little brother, Lawrence. I'm originally from Palo Alto, California. And that's where we went to school. I mean, San Francisco, and then my parents moved us to Palo Alto. We went to school there. And my youngest brother passed away with, after a long, ugly battle with cancer. And so I would fly from Vegas back to the Bay Area to care for him and cook for him, right, to try to get him to eat. It was during that time and shortly after his passing that I came to the realization I could have done more for my brother Lawrence. I have to take a second because uh, I can't, I know this makes me cry. But it was too late. He had already passed. So to honor my brother, I started really focusing on the medicinal value of herbs and spices in the foods that I prepare. So whenever somebody takes a class, it's, you, you know, you've done a class and we go pretty fast. When I cook with, it's just you and I because you do know how to cook. You can just cook. But we're still talking and love working with people that are at the beginning, middle, and even people like you that are comfortable in the kitchen. Because when I can teach people like you something new and different, I love that. Like you'll say, oh, I know how to do this. I didn't know how to tie a name. I didn't know tomatoes to say. I didn't know this was called the Shinwa. So always in my classes, I will tell you about what's so special about tarragon, the medicinal benefits of tarragon, the medicinal benefits of basil. But also these herbs and spices have energy. And I don't think that people realize that. So, for example, rosemary, it's not only an anti antibacterial, it brings about feelings of fidelity and love. Onions, onions, happiness. I don't, I don't really get that. <laughs> Paprika, great for the eyes, great because all red foods, good for the eyes. Also, it's an appetite suppressant. There's so much there. So it's not just 
a dish on the plate. When I first met you, I was doing my transition really from health coaching to life coaching. And for probably about a year, I had a little mini blog that I would post it on social media called Farmer's Market Fridays. And I would profile different foods and their health benefits. And it was so amazing to learn. I mean, it's really why you should eat a varied diet. All these foods have health benefits and many vegetables and spices and fruits are cancer fighting, but you can't just glom onto one. You need to do all of them. Like right now, I see in the store and everywhere, CBD, uh, turmeric, and oregano. Oregano, those are the big things. I'll ask somebody, so, oh, you're taking turmeric. Why? And they, they just know it's good for them, but they don't know why. And so I'll say, well, the beauty of turmeric is that it helps to slow down the buildup of plaque on the brain. And plaque is just like plaque in our, in our arteries, no good. And that's what interferes with brain function. And the turmeric helps to slow down the growth of plaque. So that's what it is. Not to mention the fact that it adds flavor and color to your rice, right? I think it's fascinating. Tell me about one or two of the most influential people in your life and how they impacted you. Well, that's a good question because at first I hadn't planned on going to culinary school when I was running Kids Cookies and Caviar because I was still just the beginning and my product wasn't that sophisticated. But in the beginning, when I was doing food service for people, personal chef work, they were asking me where I went to culinary school. And my answer was always, well, I haven't gone yet, so finally I went. But the answer remains, yes, culinary school, but also I learned so much from my dad. Um, he's an incredible cook. He's still alive today, lives in Arizona. And for many, many years, my dad could cook me under the table. Super creative. We all have strengths and weaknesses, and I do too, even though I've been doing this for a while. But one of my strengths is putting together flavors, and I really think I get that from my dad. And then I would actually go to Arizona long before people were using pumpkin. I had come up with a pumpkin lasagna, which now you can get, it's everywhere. But back then, nobody was doing it. So he goes, oh, Deborah, this is a great idea. So um, I, I said, yeah, but I need to work on this recipe. It's not quite right. So instead of doing a lasagna, he said, well, let's do a cannelloni. So we got the, so we made a spinach and pumpkin filling with veal in the cantaloupe. We're drinking and cooking together. It was so good. But my dad, he'll never remember. You know, he'll say, gosh, that was so delicious. Can you make that tonight? And he'll say, yeah, yeah. And it's not the same because he never writes anything down. So between sips of wine and drinking, I'm trying to write down this pumpkin cannelloni that he and I did together. And it's fabulous. So he's always had a big impact. He was also the one that did the cooking when we were kids because he got home from work before my mother did. So he started dinner. So he was the cook. The other big influence in my life in terms of cooking was my maternal grandmother. My dad's Italian. My mother's Puerto Rican. And so she was an excellent cook. Oh, my God. The house always smelled good. The arroz con pollo, the chicken and rice, gandules, the beans the uh, membrillo and the manchango cheese. Membrillo, if you probably know, is the quince paste, delicious. Very old style. I have her mortar and pestle, the mocolejete, that she had. 
So I have that in my kitchen and I, cause I can to this day remember the pounder. It was wood. It's made of olive wood, not, not the lava rock. It's the old olive wood. And it still smells like olive oil and garlic. And when I was a kid, Crystal, I used to lick that thing. It was so good. The salt, the pepper, the garlic, I, you know, so I just, I, I will smell it. It makes me think of her. And I remember she used to put olive oil on her, on her arms and her hands. And I remember telling her one time, oh my gosh, Nana, you smell like, why do you do that? You smell like a salad, right? And she goes, because it makes my skin soft. And it did. It did. Very, very fond memories of her in the kitchen, I, you know, and being able to help her. And Amazing. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Hmm, that's interesting to think about. Actually, funny you should ask me that because I was talking to somebody today and they were asking me how old I was. And I had a moment of dyslexia and said 56 when it's really the reverse, right? It's not 56. So um, we were talking and she said, wow, you have a lot of energy and you're a young 65. And I said, thank you so much. But I think I'm a happier, calmer Person now at this point, I think the advice to the younger Deborah would be to slow down. And, and even this project, even the project of opening the school, because the building was built in 1914. So I can assure you, the floor is not level and it wasn't a school before. It was so what I've learned and what I would tell my younger self is that when unexpected challenges arise, you address them, find a solution, the best solution that you can come up with, do it, apply that, and then move on. And I think as my younger self, I would get maybe being a type A personality, if they're, if they use that term anymore, I would get really, really stressed and be super, super busy and felt like I had to do everything all at once. And you don't, you don't cook that way either right? You make the dessert first. So there's a method you have to do each step. Now, granted, you might have several things on the stove at one time, but while you're mashing those potatoes, you're letting the vegetables roast in the oven. You, you're not doing everything at once. You really aren't. Because if you spread your, your thinking that way and your energy that way, you're going to come out with a mediocre product. Looking back now, I feel like I'd probably rush through things and I was just intense on the inside and maybe it showed sometimes on the outside I don't know probably but it sure was really tight and intense inside here in my head it really was that's why sometimes we'll hear myself say gosh I wish I was this cool and relaxed when I was in my 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s (laughs) as I am now That's really what I think, that it's going to be okay. I've also learned to trust more, trust in the universe, trust the people that I hire, trust the people that I'm, that are working with me and for me. I I didn't trust people before. I don't know why, but that just wasn't in my nature. I think that's a trait of a lot of people to not necessarily trust. And when you can let go of certain things and even let go of them to delegate to somebody else, they might not do it exactly how you would do it, but it also gives you that time to do this really important thing over here and and move forward so much faster. 
Yes, yes. And you know what, Crystal, that's also something that I've even said to people years ago when I was cooking and still acting, you know, like I'm really kind, maybe not so much in the kitchen. Like, I'll just tell you, I need you to do this right now. I won't say, would you mind doing or please and thank you. You know, I just like snap at you, snap orders at you, not snap at you, but snap orders. But one of the things that I have to remind myself that I say to people is you're right with regard to how everybody has a different way of doing things. If you had lined five chefs up and you asked them all the same question, you would get probably four different answers because only two of those chefs do it the same way. All everybody else is different. And yet there are people that are quite happy and pleased with how each chef produces their product. So I have to remind myself that, that it's okay that you don't do it the way I do it. Although sometimes you do have to do it the way I tell you and the way I do. <laughs> sometimes <Yeah. laughs> you do. Sometimes you do. I know my husband hates it. He does not cook much, even if it's something like eggs and toast. I'm horrible at staying out. You have to stay out of the kitchen then. It's better. That's what I do. I won't go in there. And then also, I've noticed when I've been invited to dinner parties, I remember one time this poor woman, she was sweating. She was so worried about the outcome of her meal. And so I had to tell her, oh, please, you know, don't because your nervousness is going to translate. Your energy is going to translate into the food. And I cannot tell you how many times, and Crystal, I'm going to go ahead and say it out loud to you and to your listeners, that I've had to throw out an entire prime rib and tell my guests, okay, I guess we're ordering pizza because I blew it. Seafood, I did a bouillabaisse and some of the, the shellfish, you know, when in doubt, you throw it out and I was in doubt and I went ahead and put it up and I just went, okay, I can't serve this and threw that out and had to order pizza. So, you know, it, there's been times we all do it. But so I had to tell her, no, I've, I've ruined plenty of meal, you know, many, many times. It made me think of that movie, Water for Chocolate. Oh, yes, I love that. That's so true. I tell people in my classes, you hear me say that. Don't say bad words when you're cooking because it translates into the food. You have to be happy and kind. Just like I tell people, you, they tell you not to go to bed angry with your partner. Don't cook angry either. Right. <laughs> so you have four kids, two boys and two girls. None of them are kids anymore. What personality trait of yours or a characteristic do you hope that you've passed on to them, whether they get it now or they'll get it later? My youngest is in his 20s and my eldest is looking 40 in straight in the eyes. So it's interesting to see the way my character traits have integrated or absorbed them. So I think that one of the things I'm most proud about is my children, all four of them have an excellent work ethic. Um, their dad did have that too. So we pass that on, both of us pass that on to our children, really hard workers. And I know that sometimes I've encountered staff members who will call off work if they have a headache. And sometimes I'll roll my eyeballs like, oh my gosh, did you drop an eyelash? Is that why you can't come in today? And my children are, have never done that. They don't do that. They show up to work just the way they showed up to school. My children, all four of them, have wide, broad streak of compassion and empathy. And I think that they got that from me. They're not judgmental people by nature. I'm really proud of that. They are all four kind human beings and good parents. Three of them are parents. Uh, the youngest one is 
still working on that. That makes me proud that my children are, are that way. And a, a sense of humor, they're all funny. And I, I can be funny sometimes, too. <laughs> yeah, so lighthearted. I think you can be funny a lot of times. <laughs> so I'd say that, those, those three traits. Right. Good workers, empathetic people, and they're humorous. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for asking about them. They're special. You're welcome. It's it's a big part of our lives. Yes, yeah, and, and I did. I stayed home the first three. I was home for twenty years. I didn't I didn't work outside the home. Maybe once in a while, like I said, the preschool, and but that didn't pick up momentum until much later. The fourth one, there's quite a few years between him and the others. But uh, so he had a working mommy. But the other three, I was home with them. I talk a lot about success in my coaching and my programs, but I don't work with CEOs or that kind of person. So I really feel like there are many different kinds of success, like raising four healthy kids that want to pick up the phone every once in a while and call their mom. To me, that's success. How would you define success for yourself? You know, that's a good question also, because I think it is, it's a balance of those two. Being home, raising my ch- the first three for so many years, you're right. That's the focus to help shepherd individuals that grow up to be a whole person, right? I mean, certainly I made mistakes along the way, but, and they're also, and they're also different. What worked on one, a number one and two, all of a sudden doesn't work anymore on three and four. Right. That to me, that's, Part of my success as a woman of my age and my time that I've spent here thus far, that that brings me great pride and joy, but great pride. And then the other level of success that that I incorporate the two together is, is running a business, this Cosmic Muffin School of Cookery. Yes, I want the numbers to be in the black. I want to have really pretty P&L statements. Absolutely. And I want my CPA to be happy and uh, remember to pay my quarterly taxes, not like, oh my God, I got to do this. Because right now I'm doing everything myself. Those PLs will only look pretty if I'm the best teacher that I can be. That the, every time somebody comes to take a class from me, whether it's in person or the, the Zoom online, live online, they're not recorded. I mean, there are recorded classes that are coming up. We're going to add that to the list. But right now I do live. Those PL statements are only going to be pretty if people come and take class with me. And one thing about cooking classes and culinary education is it's not something that you do all the time. I get my hair done every four weeks. A lot of men will go every two weeks. We go to the dentist every six months. Sometimes more if something comes up. A cooking class is not something you regularly will go, oh, I have to take my monthly cooking class. You go to the gym every day, supposedly, or three times a week, but not cooking. So that means it's important to me that when people do take a class, that it's educational and entertaining. Right. So that they walk away, not just with those copies of the recipes, but they've really learned some chef's tricks and things that I've learned. Because every mistake that you, you'll make in the kitchen, I've done it. And I, I know I have more ahead of me. I've started fires in the kitchen. I've, I've ruined dinners. I've boiled something over. I've cooked overcooked something. I've done all that. So I want to teach people how to avoid that and all these secrets like, okay, if you do this, that won't happen. If you do that, then this won't happen. 
by making my classes educational, but still fun and entertaining, that's what will help me to have the, the business success because I'm successful and appreciated as an instructor, as a teacher. And then that makes me really happy. And then I can take time off sometimes and take vacation with those children and go visit my grandchildren. So that's the balance. That's the balance. So it's twofold. Success I define as twofold. They're not separate, but you know, they dovetail onto one another. What's your opening date and how are you celebrating or do you have a first menu that you're doing? I do. Thank you for asking. I had originally planned to do a couple of soft openings, invite people so I could kind of get them a taste of what I do. But there have been so many delays. I'm just going to jump right in. Opening day is on the 22nd of April. And that menu, you can go to the website. I know we'll talk about that at the end, but that's going to be just welcoming spring. It's going to be a dish with halibut and fingerling potatoes. And I can't remember what my dessert is, but I was working on those last night. Um, so that's what we're going to start with. And I actually do have to get my wind up because I've been working at home and the COVID has slowed things down. If you think about it, you, you've worked in kitchens. You have to have your wind up. I mean, it's physical. It's not just mental. It's physical work. And so I've been doing a, a bit of sitting these days and I don't want to continue to do that. So as much as I'd like to just hit the ground running and open and have a class every single day from the 22nd on, it'll probably be three classes a week, then four classes a week, then five. And the classes will vary in times. As I said, I will continue to offer one of probably once or twice a month, the Zoom online classes for people who are not local here or visiting Ashland. Um, because I do have clients, not just in California, but I still have students and clients in Nevada. So some in Atlanta, Georgia, some in Florida, and some in New York. So I have them all over. So where can listeners find you online? If they go to www.cosmicmuffinschoolofcookery.com, uh, the website will come up and they'll see some of, you know, they'll see a little bit about me and how to contact me. We do have products that we sell, t-shirts, Cosmic Muffin t-shirts, and I do have some additional items available. They have choices. They can go to the services tab and there they'll see a few short videos, hummus, infused, simple syrups, infused oils. So those are available. As I mentioned earlier, we are going to be putting together full-length instructional videos. So if there's a class that you really wish that you could have taken and you can't, you'll be able to purchase that online. You'll see uh, the virtual classes. You can sign up for those online. And then, of course, the in-person classes. So there'll be calendars and they can choose. And they can also pay for the class right online. Keep it really simple. Oh, I found my April 22nd menu. Do you want to hear it? Yes, please. Okay, good. It's a mustard baked halibut on the side, dill roasted fingerling potatoes, right? And seasonal fruit topped with the honey vanilla fromage. It's delicious. Yes. Yeah, it's a nice way to welcome spring. That sounds delicious. And then um, just to mention, I think, what did I say? I'm using dill, the energy of dill, just so your listeners know. 
safety, security, and courage. So if you need more of that in your life or you need to build that up a little bit or somebody you know and love could use a little more of that, add some dill to the dish. I love that. I think I just wrote a post about courage today. Oh, okay, good. Because we do need courage in all kinds of ways. Boy, do we, yes. Is there anything else that you would like to share? Well, I do want to mention I'm also a food writer. I write short stories usually focused on food, and there's always a recipe at the end of the story. So that's kind of fun. I have one cookbook out already. The title of that is One Four Ounce Serving. That was originally born out of providing an alternative cookbook for people who have had weight loss surgery. That's what that was about. However, we could all use smaller portions. I'm big on moderation because I eat everything. I do eat everything, everything, but in smaller quantities. And that makes it easier to eat in moderation. For me, crystal cookbooks are like the greatest fiction ever written. So it's like reading a book for me. So what I did for one four-ounce serving is it's a collection of short stories based on a supper club that I ran in Las Vegas with some friends of mine. The supper clubs were monthly. So each one of us took a turn and the host or hostess for that month's supper club would set the theme, right? Maybe it was uh, Italian al fresco. Well, of course, I did a whole thing on herbs, right? You had to have fresh different herbs and tell us what was in there. Another person was doing breads. Another person did pies. Another person did New Orleans cuisine, right? Cajun, New Orleans. And so people would sign up. You didn't have to tell us what you were bringing, but you did say if it was an entree, side dish, or dessert, so we were balanced. And one month, we had been about maybe six, nine months into the supper club, and there were three people who said they were going to come, and they didn't show up. So the old Deborah, the intense one that we were talking about earlier, she got her nose out of joint. And I went, you know, where are these three people? That's a lot to be missing for this thing. Even there were about 11 of us, right? Maybe 12, 13. And so the next morning, I sent an email to everybody describing what those three people had missed because I was a little miffed that they missed. So I wrote it to make them sorry that they missed out on this crab dip and that they missed out on this fruit galette with the, you know, with the mascarpone. So I described the food, described the wines. Of course, there was always plenty of wine. So what we were, you know, what we were complimenting the dishes with. And everybody loved it. The next, I mean, the people, the people that missed it, nobody took offense to it because they said, wow, this was so good that you did this. You should do this every time because of course there are people that are going to miss, right? I just got a little perturbed that these people didn't tell us they weren't coming. So I started doing that and that's what one four ounce serving is. It's actually some of the, you know, the little blurbs that I would write to the participants. I created whole stories. And so each story has about two to three recipes from that supper club that month. So that's what that one is. The book that I'm working on now is I've entitled it Come Eat From My Plate. And that one is not focused on four ounce servings. It's just everything. It's just a compilation of different stories. Some are heartbreaking. Some are funny. And of course, there's a recipe that goes with each story. I'll put your website link in the show notes. And they can purchase the cookbook on the website or on Amazon. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with me and my listeners. I'm sure everyone's hungry. 
I will put all those details in the show notes and feel free to share anything else with me that I can put in there. Well, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. I hope that I got some of your listeners excited about the school and the website and even the cookbooks coming. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll see the rest of you in here next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Extraordinary Life Podcast with writer and coach, Crystal Obergon. We'd love to connect with you outside of the podcast too. To find more helpful insights, show notes, and more about Crystal, go to crystalobergon.com. That's O-B-R-E-G-O-N, where you will also find info for the Design Your Decade Workshop. This workshop will help you to stop drifting and start creating. Until next time, be extraordinary.